Hello and welcome to Crunching Gears, Season 1, Episode 3. In this episode, I talk rallying with Connor Curley. Connor tells us about his father, the legend that is Cahill Curley, and he also tells us about his own exploits in rallying, how he got involved, co-riding, and then going into rallying. And he also tells us about the many friends he made along the way. It's a very interesting story and many tales along the way. I think you'll enjoy it. I'd also like to take a moment to thank uh, Sprint, the Rally Podcast, and also Irish Rally Podcast, two other fantastic podcasts who give us a wee shout out in their, in their latest episodes. I really do appreciate lads. Keep up the good work. So sit back, enjoy Connor Curry. Thank you. What could you do in a works car with works back up your neck front? Take it handy and win every rally around. <laughs> <laughs> Bertie Fisher and Andrew Nesbitt have made the 1999 event a classic, as we have already said. Never has so much been provided for so many by so few. Because that day and that hour and those minutes, I got the butt between my teeth. You know, I really stood up and was counted and said, this is not getting away. I remember when we pulled on our helmets and, and, and Donald says to me, what are we doing? I said, we're going for gold, Barrett. <laughs> Today's edition of Crunching Gears, we are joined by the one and only Connor Curley. Connor, you're obviously always de- destined to be <laughs> going to be involved in rallying somewhere or other. You were born on the Thursday night before the Donegal Rally, and you almost made your father miss out on these three in a row. Um, <laughs> I, I think I was keener to come out than Dad was for me to come out, Kevin. He had no more notion, wanted me to arrive that weekend, but um, no, my mother went into labour eight weeks early, and... I arrived and I remember my mother always telling the story that dad was at the, the hospital turning around saying, oh, no, you know, I'll not do the rally, I'll stay, no, you need me here. And my mother always told the story that you needed the time to the leg of the bed for him to have stayed. <laughs> there was no way he was going to miss it. And I'm glad he didn't, Kevin. Yeah. Like, we'd be very pragmatic that, look, you know, things go on. Things, life shouldn't stop because of A, B or C. You know, just if you can go on with it, go on with it. Do not offend mm-hmm. anybody. And my mother is just one of the world's most amazing people and she's just oh, she's a real soldier like she just nothing phases her so it wouldn't have bothered her and yeah. i would say she was gl- glad for dad to go on and do the rally uh-huh. i think it was the right thing to do yes and uh-huh. i think with the three in the row uh, he would have said it's the right thing to do <laughs> <laughs> yes i could like it's one down is one of those things it's you know it's, it's only been equal twice since you know the three in a row that's, so that's mm-hmm. right and and you know that's I, I, I suppose Dad wouldn't have realised back then what it might have meant. You know, like he enjoyed the rallying and, he, and Donegal was probably his favourite. I know the Circuit Island was a big deal, but Donegal would have been just something special. I think at the time of year where it is, but I mean, 
you ask any of them people that won it once, how hard it would be to win it twice, and how mm-hmm. hard it would be to win it three times. And yeah. I mean, more recently, um, we've been blessed with Manus winning the rally three times. And mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know, it takes a, like everybody knows how highly Manus Kelly will be remembered and regarded through the rallying circles. And if you ask anybody close to him what it took for him to win three in a row, it, it's an amazing achievement. So yeah, yeah, no, we're very, very proud of him. So we are. Um, although I never got to see him rally, which is a sort of pity, you know. But I suppose one of them things that mm-hmm. I, I sort of I, I like to listen to the stories as opposed to see the reality. Sometimes I think the stories you can add bits on, and <laughs> you know, Dad yeah. can tell you about the the, the the just the last sinew that he that he had to go in a state, you know. And I think it's. It's, like, it's almost like a myth sometimes. Sometimes I think they're better to listen to. I think they're more... Mm-hmm. You, just, you create your own environment about what it would have been like. And, and mm-hmm. certainly they had some fun rallying back then. Yes. My God, Kevin. They, imagine, yeah. mm-hmm. He just had an entourage of people along with him. Just friends that just made it. Like he had you know, a guy that used to drive ahead of them in, in the circuit and all the rallies. And they would have sort of booked the hotel but they were you know <laughs> some of the stories that the pianos dragged up this martin Riley commandeered a piano to go up the stairs for phil colder to play in a hotel and they had 12 boys carrying a piano up the stairs of a hotel but uh you know and i just uh, but certainly like donegal I, I know i know i like the story always was in our house that i wanted to come out for donegal i knew this it's probably something I would nearly believe. Uh, it, just, <laughs> yeah. it means that much to to me. To I would say the family and and because I live so close to it and and mm-hmm. all my memories are rallying, Kevin, are to do with Donegal. There's somewhere either you can trace it back to Donegal somewhere or that the, the, your story too, as much as your dad's too, you know. For sure, and I, I mean it's not just about dad. Like I grew up uh-huh. listening to Highland Radio, listening to Charlie Collins doing the rally reports. Dad used to always say to me, right, if you if you cut the lawns around the house, which I hated doing, Kevin, probably because it was some form of manual labour, but <laughs> whenever, whenever he had said, like, if you cut the lawns around the house on Friday, I'll take you to watch the rally on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I had to listen to Charlie Collins. That, that was my abiding memories growing up. On a Walkman, uh, listening to Highland Radio and Charlie at the side of the road interviewing the, the, just the people that I grew up Adoring the Bertie Fishers, the Austin McHales, the James Collins, the Vincent Bonners, James McDades, you know, yes. anybody that just was around that area that you knew the, the buzz was about. And just, oh, it just, I suppose, like, whenever we were growing up, it was the one rally that we made the effort to. I mean, the circuit would have went past us and we would have just thought, well, that's the circuit of Ireland. Mm-hmm. The Ulster would have ran our Galway. And they're all great rallies for different reasons. Mm-hmm. When Donegal came, like, I used to make a point of being off school that Friday. I would say, right, Dad, I'll cut the grass and you take me to watch the rally on the Saturday. And I would have held them to it. And, Kevin, it's, 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 it's probably some of the best memories I have growing up. Imagine saying that one of your best memories is cutting the lawn to get to the rally on uh, Saturday, yeah. but that was oh, yeah, that's what it meant. Uh-huh. And I used to envisage, you know, what it would be like standing at the side of the road and being interviewed by Charlie Collins and giving some story about, oh, you know, we've dropped such and such to Bertie and uh-huh. Vincent's caught us and James Collins, you know, just just imaginary stories, but. Uh-huh. Uh, Ones that are synonymous with Donegal, all the same. For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, like, also, then you missed your dad actually competing. But like, you know, when did you become aware that 
you know, this man was something a bit special in rallying terms. <laughs> um, well, he had it to hold us. No, listen, we, we do get a bit of stick, I know, but... Um, no, we'd had trophies around the house and stuff, you know, and I think growing up we'd have known it, but there wasn't much mention of rallying when we were growing up, you know. Yeah. We knew Dad was a rally driver, but we, like it was never like, you know, Daddy, you know, you going to a rally. We just, his first passion and has been his entire life is greyhounds. So it had been away, you know, greyhound meetings and maybe when they came back, you know, it had taken us somewhere and we'd asked him stories about the greyhounds, but they'd always something would have come up about rallying and no it wasn't it wasn't we never knew that he was a big thing mm-hmm. it was just he just he had done it he had won what he'd won or he'd lost what he'd lost or finished wherever he finished and he just moved on with his life you know and do you know this I, I, sometimes i think it's sad kevin because I, I would like to have seen him if he had really committed and seen what he could have done there i'm not saying he could have mm-hmm. got to any amazing level but i would have just loved to have seen like how good was he Yes. Like, because mm-hmm. I believe he was very good, but I have no proof of it apart from, mm-hmm. you know, there's a couple of old trophies there and a couple of rally victories. But mm-hmm. I mean, some of the people that he did beat, they, they weren't easy to beat. No. You know, and whatever he, they were, the Coleman's or, or mm-hmm. Clark's or, or and mm-hmm. listen, whatever, I'm sure he got lessons from them and vice versa. But mm-hmm. still, I, I know it's like to compete today in, in, in what I would generalized like a midfield area where I'm not really at the top end but I'm not at the bottom end but mm-hmm. to be at the top of your game should it be overall or class you know you need to be on it and mm-hmm. uh, like there was no doubt that he, that he was good but mm-hmm. no we never grew up knowing it Kevin to be yeah. honest we, we all like, had different passions that's for sure and like Datsun obviously thought he was good enough to have him as part of the works team back in the early 70s too, didn't they, they, they did and they went they went mm-hmm. to the RAC um, mm-hmm. with them as well, which was like obviously a world championship rally. But mm-hmm. you know, we, we wouldn't kid ourselves. Like, was he the person that was going to make it in the world championship? No, mm-hmm. probably not. But he was a very, very talented driver, yeah. and 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 he was one that uh, you often talk about. You know, that one percent that makes somebody a winner as opposed to an ultra run, and he had the one percent. Yeah. Whether he used it all the time or overused it or whatever, but mm-hmm. he just had, you know, and, and there is a group of people that will always be able to say they had that, mm-hmm. and then there's the others that wish they had it. Yes, he I had mean, it. The one, he, he definitely had it, and he, he was a, he's a very classy driver, and he drove a car that was difficult to drive a Porsche, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I'm not saying that, that, like, at the time it was probably like a supercar, but it was still. A rear engine, uh, rear wheel drive rally car, and very light in the front, and took a certain style, I think, to drive, and he just mastered it and liked it. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, later on in years, we had, we had a couple of Porsche road cars, and we had a couple of hairy runs to places, and mm-hmm. you just then maybe looked at him and just, and I think that was when I really appreciated how good he was, mm-hmm. how safe I felt in the car anytime he was on. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, obviously you took the, the step and got involved in rallying yourself. How did that come about? And, you know, what, what was your first time in a rally car then? Uh, um, <laughs> well, funny enough, we went to watch a few rallies, just, you know, and it was Donegal, no, nothing else. Uh-huh. But then I, I have a lifelong friend, Kevin um, Dermot McCauley, a guy that has <laughs> endured me as a friend for longer than I care to remember, but he's the most loyal of fellas. But... Um, so Dermot showed an interest in rallying and we all, you know, thought, right, okay, 
he was the first man to buy a car. And we bought a, a 1300 Group A Nova. We, I said Dermot, bought it. <laughs> and we went to the Mayo stages in 1996. Mm-hmm. And that was my first ever rally. Um, and I'll never forget it. We were just... Oh, just there. There was definitely wiser chewing grass at times, <laughs> but but do you see as a driver, uh-huh. Dermot McCauley is one of the one of the ones that got away. Right. He he had he had that something special. Yes. I knew when I got into the car with him. You know when you feel safe, but yet you're going quick. He had it. So mm-hmm. down to Mayo, and we won our class, our first ever rally. We won our class. I don't know where we finished, uh-huh. and, and it wasn't like we weren't covered in glory. I, I'll mm-hmm. never forget. On the first stage, I think we got sort of seated a bit higher up than we thought we should have got. But on the first stage, I remember calling notes at the start line. And I said, yeah, right, this, this is the start of the stage. So we get in, and about a mile and a half in or two mile in, a sunbeam caught us. And I remember the sunbeam going past us and me thinking, there's no way in the world that boy's getting to the end of the stage. He's on a mission. There's no, And yet that was what was required to be a quick rally man. Uh-huh. We were sort of driving at, at, at good road speed, but we just weren't at the level of the top but we ended up winning our class and mm-hmm. we'd done a few more rallies that year in the Nova I co-drove and mm-hmm. I'll tell you when you sit on the passenger side of a car it's a different sensation from the driver's side yes but I can tell you now that that man has had some real good scalps to his name mm-hmm. if he had went on and done a bit of rallying he could have been talking to him about a, a, a national rally one or maybe higher up mm-hmm. but great fun and back then uh, Paul Flanagan and Kieran Coyle were running us, and you know we weren't the most professional, but we done everything as professional as we could. Mm-hmm. But if you look at what those two boys have gone on to do now, Kieran mm-hmm. Coyle would be wouldn't be out of place in any world championship team, mm-hmm. even as as the head mechanic or or indeed mm-hmm. running the show. Yes, and and Paul Flanagan, as you know, probably runs one of the best uh, mm-hmm. outfits in Ireland for rally. He runs Donna Kelly mm-hmm. in Paris. You know, mm-hmm. like like. And, and if you know him, he's meticulous. So mm-hmm. those boys ran us the first event, and oh, it was just oh, looking back and now it was great memories. But at the time, we thought we were rock stars. <laughs> just landed down, you know, tried to get the suits to match, the boots to match. Oh, we like, you know, we were just there was just a circus coming to town, and we had no idea what we were like. But brilliant memories, yeah. brilliant memories. Uh-huh. So then, when did you make the transition from the passenger seat to the driver's seat? Um, we bought uh, an escort of Mark McGill, God rest him now, he was, a, he was a, a friend of ours, a car dealer in the north, and he had this two-litre escort. And him and dad done double loan lark in the park. And I always remember Mark saying to me, uh, Connie, your dad says, if I'm ever selling this car, he wants to buy it. And I thought, jeepers, if this happens, this would be great. But what happened that day, Mark was doing... Um, double O in Lark in the Park and he says dad was on as a guest driver but dad was going to Greyhounds at 12 o'clock in the day so he could only do the first three stages uh-huh. so the first three stages dad was like I mean he was setting times that were in the top probably four or five of the rally as double O and this was him in his sort of late 60s touching uh-huh. 70s and then Mark McGill got to drive the last three stages and all of a sudden, he tried to break where dad was breaking. They ended off going into the tennis courts and back <laughs> off the tennis courts. And, and he, he, he just he came back and he says, your dad's the king of the late breakers. He's the king. So uh, dad negotiated them that day. We bought the car. Mm-hmm. And our first event was 98 in Galway. Galway National. 
mm-hmm. and Jared Callahan had the unenviable task of trying to sit with me. And I have no <laughs> doubt he maybe thought I was going a bit quicker than I was, but I would say I was a bit of a disappointment. But you know this, some like we, we, we were on reserve and we got going. Uh, I was on holidays and at the time, and I remember ringing back and the woman says, look, you're going. So we made all the arrangements. Car got down to Galway. And I often remember going in, some of the members at the weekend, we got into the B&B in Galway. And I remember the lights were really dim in the house. And we just thought, oh, just see must put dim lights on the house. But I remember grabbing my bag that I had for me down to the weekend. And I just threw it up onto the bed. And as it hit the bed, this layer of dust just started to rise. <laughs> and go up. And I remember saying to, to, to uh, Jared, Jared, is that dust or has some sort of eclipse ended up coming into this room? And then with the lighting so dark, oh, it was a hen house of a place. <laughs> and we got down, but, but I remember that weekend, um, we retired, the gearbox broke on the eighth stage. But on my first ever stage, listening to notes and driving, the McAleers were doing the stop car and the finish. Mm-hmm. Jared Callum was calling me notes. And we went past the stop car at about 90 or 95 <laughs> mile an hour. I never even realized we were the end of the stage. I just could see this road and thought, right, that's the next bit to go down flat. I don't know what I was listening to, but it wasn't the notes. And I remember Jared sort of grabbing my arm and, and slowing me down. We, we, we reversed back and the McAleers were anything but nice days. Like, we nearly killed one of them. <laughs> like, it could have ended up total carnage. Uh-huh. But, and that was my first memory of driving. And, and to be honest, Kevin, I didn't show any great pace that day. Uh-huh. And, I, and, I don't, and I don't think uh, I would have set the world alight. But do you see the enjoyment I had that day? Yes. On right. Uh-huh. It, it's a great memory to have. Uh-huh. Brilliant memory to have. And you know, no, I've never a rear, no, I've never driven a rear-wheel drive car in anger at right. all. Yes. And some would probably argue I still haven't. But do you see... <laughs> That day, getting in and just the car stepping out, me correcting it, and me thinking, God, this is class. And it was, it was a great feeling, a brilliant weekend. We were retired, we were all right, but still, I think it's the, the one thing it taught me that day was if you're having fun, why not? Uh-huh. Yes, why uh, not? get out and I, enjoy yourself. So, I like you know, you, you kept that ethos going more or less, you know, you enjoy your rallying more so that you know, you don't see it as you're not out every no. weekend, you don't want to be. No. Top of the folks, you're just. I, I, I think sometimes, Kevin, people look at rallying and they think that, you know, oh, why is Guy McPhillips taking 20 seconds a stage out of me? Well, guess what? Guy McPhillips is 20 seconds a stage quicker than you because he's a better driver. You know, like some people want to set a stage time that somebody else sets, which is grand, it's an aspiration, but, mm-hmm. you know, if you, can, if you can enjoy your rallying and if you can go quick and you're happy with it, then why not? If other people want to really compete and, 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 you know, just use every muscle or fiber that they can to set a quick state time, and it happens. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's rallying is too expensive to not enjoy it. You yes. know, to to justify going out and spending what we spend and seeing the stages we see and seeing the 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 crowds wherever we're at, I I get a great enjoyment out of it, and I always will. Mm-hmm. It'll never change. I don't see me ever, you know, going to a rally being under pressure because mm-hmm. I, I I don't see the point. You know, mm-hmm. if I bought a rally car, it was for me to enjoy and have a bit of fun, and 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 tell you the friends that I've made in rallying, you know, are, are just just the absolute best. Mm-hmm. And then Ronan, the your older brother, he's rallied a bit as well. Was there a lot of sibling rivalry at, at the start 
Do you know this, Kevin? As not everybody realizes, but well, they maybe do. But I would say Aaron was a better driver than me. <laughs> so he was Ronan boxed. So he did younger years, yeah. and that was Ronan. Ronan's Ronan's passion was boxing and GA Gaelic. Mm-hmm. Just through his veins in boxing, and his reflexes were just lightning. And if Ronan had a given any sort of time to rally him, I think he could have been, you know, right up there with, with some of the real, real quick men. He mm-hmm. just had that real classy style about him. And, and my father always said, if you're ever going to rob a bank, rob it with Ronan. And don't ever play cards with Ronan because our Ronan has the same demeanor, whether he's in a pickle or a jam mm-hmm. or, or he's on top of the world. He's just the same calm way about him no matter what happens so in a rally he's able to deal with the loss of time or or, or mm-hmm. a puncher near the end of a stage or just something going wrong whereas to me oh, that's the end of the world oh, you know, it's a disaster that's a way we even here right. running just but, but he was a very smooth elegant driver and you know this I, I wish he does more mm-hmm. I really do like it, it's Ronan's choice Ronan had a bad accident mm-hmm. in Gary Gort in 2008 um and he, and he broke two bones in his neck. And I would say he's a lucky boy, Kevin, you know, but I, I think it had an impact on him. And then I just think he realized that, you know, maybe this wasn't his first passion and mm-hmm. he just wanted to go and, and throw himself into other things, and he did. But we had no rivalry. I loved seeing Ronan if he was ahead of me and vice versa, and he never had any problem. And he would have always been the first to help me and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, there was never any problems that way. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, 2003, Donegal, uh, the National Rally in it, you had a fantastic run. Uh, you finished third overall in the, the two-wheel drive. Like, I did. You were, you were right in the mix right from the start. You know, it wasn't as if you, you were... Uh, it was one of them breakthrough moments, Kevin, because uh-huh. for the two or three years leading up to it, we just sort of hovered about and had quick runs here and, and sort of finished 20th or whatever. But mm-hmm. I remember that year, that was my first year doing Donegal. And when I tell you I wrecked each stage 9, 10, 11 times, I wrecked it 9, 10, 11 times to the point that I could you know, tell you where bumps were and stuff. And just, you know, I remember that weekend just on the Friday, Philip Shaw was sort of the benchmark and Seamus Donnelly and Damien Gallagher, Paul Gallagher. And them boys had no problem taking 10, 15 seconds a stage out of me, even on a good stage. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to Nigel, look, you know, this weekend, uh, we know the stage. One of the stages is four miles from my house. Surely I can I can at least give it a bit of a, a go and see how we get on. And we, we were actually set a quickest time on the Friday. And Kevin, that was a real sort of breakthrough moment for me because I'd finally thought, I can drive at these boys' speeds. Now, maybe not consistently, but I was capable of, I knew now what it took to, to do it. And we had a great run on Friday, um, and I remember going to Nogala, my first ever run in Nogala. I set the quickest national time on it. Now, but it was a shortened version. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, I remember coming off, and Nigel, who's a very, Nigel's a very safe, you know, doesn't doesn't let anybody see his emotions, you know, and he's very, very guarded. And I remember Nigel walking up to Philip and Seamus Donnelly and stuff on the start line of the next stage after Nogala. And as he came walking back down to me, he had his thumb against his chest, tight against his chest, walking towards the car. I was like, what's he doing there? And he just got in there. He says, you were quickest. And I remember, Kevin, there would be airplanes that wouldn't have been flying as high as I was that day. <laughs> like, and I remember going into the Mount Diego that night, and the Mount Diego was rammed with people. Yes. 
thousands of people in the foyer, and I was walking through it like, you know, you know who I am, like you know, yeah. you know what I've done today. Uh-huh. You know what? But still, uh-huh. it just I floated that weekend. Mm-hmm. I absolutely floated, and it was. And I remember, funny enough, I came back down to earth with a bit of a bump on the Sunday because we went to Glen. And Glen was one of the stages that I thought I knew, but I hadn't wrecked that well. And we didn't have a great run in Glen, and Ivan Stewart caught me in Glen Village. Going out of Glen Village, but it was a surprise. I wasn't looking for him because nobody had, you know, caught me the weekend. I just thought, well, that was going to continue. And I remember coming to sort of the last mile of the stage and seeing the headlights, and it scared the living daylights out of me. <laughs> it wasn't close enough to let him by, so I just got on to the end of the stage. And I remember getting out of the car. And himself, Ivan and Sean McLaughlin was co-driving for him. And I went up and I said, Ivan, I'm so sorry if I held you up. And I remember him turning around and says, Connie, you didn't hold me up. And he says, I'm telling you, Ivan, I must have held you up. He says, Connie, you didn't. He says, better still. He says, that was class to watch from behind. Where we were just, the car was just floating around the road. And we were going hard. But uh-huh. Ivan was an escort causer that weekend, a real good one. Uh-huh. It, it, it was some weekend, Kevin. And you know what? Something that I daydream about every couple of months and just think, do you remember that time? Oh, it was brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Uh-huh. And you just mentioned Nigel there, like Nigel Fraser, obviously your dad's old co-driver, Austin Fraser too. That must mean pretty special for you too to keep the Curly-Fraser relationship into the next generation oh, and all too. No, that's huge. You know, Nigel, Nigel would be a huge part of my life because of his dad's relationship, first of all, with my father. And then, you know, growing up, we went to watch the odd rally and bumped into because Austin would have been co-driving for Bertie at the time. Mm-hmm. But I got to know Nigel pretty well. And, and something just clicked, you know, like we have the same interests. We both play golf right. badly. <laughs> we both like football. Um, and then we both like a bit of rallying. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, Kevin, if it wasn't for Nigel and his company, I wouldn't be rallying. Right. Whatever about enjoying the car and getting out and doing A, B, and C, D, he makes me put on a helmet. It's just, it, it's the fun, it's it's the crack we have in the car. It's even even just outside of rally and ringing about football. And I mean, he's a Liverpool supporter, I'm a Spurs supporter. I mean, last year, the Champions League final, it was just hilarious. <laughs> some of the text messages were going. But, you know, I, I suppose I got to meet Nigel through the relationship of dad with, with Austin and she mm-hmm. going on, out of no doubt, I would consider him one of the most decent human beings that, that was ever walked us He is an absolute gentleman. Mm-hmm. He never complains. Right. Never. Mm-hmm. And I've given him some crap runs, I can tell you. And he's never once complained. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think we were both rallied for enjoyment. And so we released from our day-to-day life. But uh-huh. um, it's funny, people, I mean, when we used to get interviewed, maybe when we first rallied, Plum used to always, you know, oh, uh, Connor Curley, the son of Cal, and Nasal Fraser, the son of Austin. And we were always known as the sons of the famous fathers. Uh-huh. We'd never done anything with a rallying career. So that fiddled out after a couple of rallies. And, they left us alone and then we just realized let's have a bit of fun let's enjoy it and i think down through the years we've we've, we've grown pretty close now and and i know that um I, w- I would probably consider him one of the people that i could tell anything to talk about anything to you know even if we go out to walk some even maybe ringing just to pass 15 minutes just 
yeah, you know, he's listen. He's I can tell you now if if you call him a friend, you're in good shape. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, uh, just looking then, just two thousand and four. Uh uh-huh. yourself, your dad and Ronan all took part in Donegal Rally. That was obviously celebrate your dad's thirtieth, you know, thirty years and did previously won Donegal. Uh-huh. That must have been pretty uh-huh. special for the three years old to line up in Donegal on the Friday morning. How did all that come about? It's my favourite memory in rallying uh-huh. was the three of us competing that weekend. Yes. Do you know this after I'd done it the year before and then and then I don't know, we just got talking one day and I said that what Ronan to do it next year, and then he might do it along with me. And I'm pretty sure Dad says, "Well, I might do it." Uh-huh. And you know what started off as a you know will we? And that was back in the early 2000s, where just you know, if you, nothing was impossible, people were building hotels and car parks. You know, it was just uh, let's let's uh-huh. do it. And we decided that we had a rally car, a good two-liter 16-valve escort, and then when we got more serious and serious about it, and we chatted to a couple of people. And a couple of people, you know, actually said, look, if you do something, sure, we'll chuck our name into it. People that would have sponsored Dad years ago just thought it'd been a bit of crack and a, and a good idea to see the three of us compete. Uh-huh. And then, Kevin, we went about then making sure that the three cars were identical. So we got a two-liter 16-valve Escort in blue, and then another two-liter 16-valve Escort in blue, and then we had to go and hire one, and we found a blue, we had to be a blue one. And all of a sudden, we had these three identical cars. And... Uh, and you know what? The closer it came, the more nervous we got because I had bought a car, a, a rolling shell, um, off a boy up in Ballymena. And I remember handing it to Barry Dan. And Barry Dan, typical Barry Dan, they rang me and asked me what exactly had I landed in his street. With, you know, it just wasn't Barry Dan-esque. And I said, Barry, can you make that into a rally car for Donegal? And the next thing I found myself talking to myself on the phone, they just discussed thought. I do not believe this man's given me this project, but in true Bayardian fashion, he turned out a, a, a brilliant car. And uh, Ronan hired Gary Keenan's car. And uh, I, I remember John Reed, we were supplied racing engines back then, and mm-hmm. my car was literally finished on the day of scrutiny. On the Thursday morning, they were putting glass and stuff into it, and were still getting screwed together. But the engine just wouldn't play the ball. Right. Now, it would, it would, it would fire up, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't take the cell. Would do nothing. And I remember ringing John Reed and by the end said, "Look, Connor, I don't think this rally is going to happen." And we put so much effort into it, it had to happen. Yes. So we rang John Reed, and I said, "Look, John, I'm in bother. This car won't go." And he says, "Have you tried this? Have you tried that?" And I said, "Look, John, I need you here." And to be fair, for all his faults, he got on a plane. Flew over, we got him collected at Belfast Airport. And Thomas Keyes, I remember him allowing us to use our, his garage on the Thursday night. And this guy, John Reed, came in and I, he looked like something out of Def Leppard. Like, I did not expect this boy to be building race car engines. I thought he was going to turn up at a rock concert with a leather jacket on him. And he walked in with a laptop, fiddled about, put a new sensor on it, and took it a run. And it, such a relief. The car had been through scrutiny, uh-huh. but it just wasn't going to go to a rally. Yeah. And he took it up the road and down the road. And I remember he took it up really gingerly and he took it away up past the, the, the Unify factory. <laughs> and as he came back down, he planted it. And that echoed through that letter Kenny town on a Thursday night at about 10 o'clock or half 10. And the, just the echo of the engine barking, coming towards us. And I knew then we had a rally car for the rally. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, the weekend was full of ups and a lot of downs. <laughs> oh, some, in fact, I remember when the rally started, Kevin, 
we, we started off um, the first two stages I remember putting in two pretty quick times. I think it was maybe certainly in around the top second or third overall in the national. But uh, I don't know what happened. I think the third stage I just overshot a junction, lost maybe twenty seconds, dropped me down a bit. But we got back into service, and Dad, you know, would come into service and he says, "Show me your time." So I showed him his times, and he said, "Gee, it was right, okay, God, you're going well." And he says, "What time did you do that stage?" And I told him, and he says, "Tell me this." And it was the stage down where Damien Crawford, I think, has the house uh, in Newton Cunningham. Mm-hmm. And he says, do you see those jumps? He says, do you lift for them jumps? And I said, no, Dad, you don't lift. These cars are built now. They can take them jumps. He says, you don't lift. I said, we don't lift. So on the fourth stage, uh, Dad was running the car right behind me. How, I'm not sure what way this evening all went, but he was mm-hmm. running the car behind me. So we got through the stage and we, we were uh, we nailed it. But we had one moment where we, we came to a square, right? Went into a bit of a hedge, got out of the hedge, and when we came down the road, the branches were all covering the left-hand side of the car, but we finished the stage. And Rory Kennedy was at the, the start, the end line. I think he was doing timekeeper that day, and he just asked me, he says, Connor, what time do you do? And I think, let's say the time was 9.46. He says, oh, well, that's the next thing Dad came behind me. And I remember looking in the mirror and seeing the driver's side of Dad's car all covered in branches. <laughs> and Rory and I and Rory walked up to the car. And the next thing, Rory came back down to me. And I'll never forget, he just put the one finger up. And he says, Connor, one second. And I said, who was quickest? And he says, you were by only one second. And I remember thinking, there's a 68-year-old man <laughs> driving for the first time in 20 years <laughs> and he's just punched in probably a time as quick as most people will do in that national rally yeah. and I remember driving down the road going I may just park now I have, I have, there's nothing I have that's going to ever come close to him but, but Kevin he tried to repeat it on the fifth stage and he went <laughs> off into a field so he did and the boys had to push him out um, we finished the evening all three of us finished Dad had dropped five minutes or something Ronan had a good steady run and I had a decent run away for the overshoot um, and then on Saturday it was just a bit of carnage on Saturday dad just ran out of gas he uh-huh. was just punctured like he was nearly 70 he was in Nogala and he says he remembers driving and he wasn't even listening to us <laughs> and he went up Nogala to Hairpin Left and he says he never James Heron was standing there at the scene and he says he never even made an attempt at the Hairpin he just went straight on into the field <laughs> and when James Heron went down into the car Dad's glasses and Austin's glasses were lying at a 45 degree angle on their faces. The ballet clavo was up over one eye. They were just, they should have been taken out of the car and thought, that's it, boys. Daddy, <laughs> where you, you're going back to the house now, Caesar. Um, <laughs> and I went off. Uh, I, I, well, I ended up breaking a, a linkage on that same stage of Adminsia Chapel. And then Ronan became a bit of a cropper on Sunday out of the Glen. And they got very unfortunate because the stage was completely bone dry. The whole weekend was dry. Uh-huh. But then under the tree in Glen, out of the village, there was just a wee bit of damp and it just outbreaked himself and went off. So, in fact, one of my abiding memories of that weekend is the newspaper had a photograph of Ronan sitting with his head in his hands, you know, in Glen Village. And uh-huh. to be honest, for all the hidings they gave me, that was the one time I felt sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> so I think your dad got the bragging rights over the weekend then, really, at the end of it all, did he? Not even close, Kevin. He wasn't even on the same planet as me, so he wasn't. And I've, I've stayed very humble since I can trust you. Uh, so, but uh, great memories, great yeah. memories. And then the West Court Rally, too, has obviously been very kind to you. Um, I remember chatting to Kevin O'Driscoll, the press officer for the event, 
and he says like you've been coming more or less an ambassador for them the amount of good publicity you generated for that rally uh you were going yeah. to never you know it wasn't the rally you know, it wasn't the rally it is today to be, you know. no 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 and kevin it was like the unhidden gem <laughs> it was just or the hidden gem i should say like it was just I remember going down, and Kevin had sort of, you know, would you come down, would you come down, would you come down? And it wasn't because it was a big name. I think he just wanted people to come to this rally. He would, he would have, you know, asked anybody. He's a, he's a great person to speak uh-huh. to. Yeah. But, but he managed to convince us, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go down and try this rally. And Kevin, once I got doing those first couple of stages, I remember saying to Nigel Fraser, why is this rally not part of the tarmac chat this or Europe this is some of the greatest stages and do you see the West Corp Motor Club they are the happiest bunch of people they all roll the same direction they're all looking to do and I remember you coming up to a time character and Nigel saying Connor stop here can't go in yet it's not our time and the guy waved us up and I said I'm going to go on up and Nigel was a bit annoyed at me because he's forever the professional you know and Connor this isn't our time and we went up, and I remember the guy just saying, just look, whatever time he's on, boys, just, there you are, there you go. There's no problem. He says, right. five minutes late, five minutes dirty, come on ahead. And I remember just thinking, that's the real spirit of Clubman Rally. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Kevin, ring, Ard, Field, Sam's Cross, oh, just get down and do those stages. Because mm-hmm. there's, you know, not only are they, are they great stages, but we were joking you're basically rallying in France. <laughs> it's like a stone's throw here in France. So we, 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 we were sort of on this European adventure. Down <laughs> and the good thing about it was, even when it rained, because you were on the coast down there and so breezy, it dried within seconds. So, right, yes. Oh, the rally was just... I, I remember coming away from it that weekend. Jerry Callahan sat with me that weekend as well, um, down in West Cork. And listen, we, we never set the world alight, but we thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, to this day... If Donegal hadn't been the rally, it would have been, I would firmly say, that West Cork is, is my favourite place to rally. And mm-hmm. the people make it. The club make it. The, the stages, uh, it's a great package. And really I believe the, the local community take on the rally on board as well. Like they, you know, they're, they're very welcome and all too as well. Oh, all the you nearly pull in there and, and you know, you, they turn around. I remember the first year we went down and we, we took a hire car. Mm-hmm. We flew down. Like it was rock and roll times then. I got the plane from <laughs> Belfast down to, down to Cork, like, like that's as you do. Yes. And we ended up hiring a car to go to Clonakilty. And I remember coming into Clonakilty and into the film station. And we went in because the hire car maybe was only quarter full. And you were going to wreck you the next day, so I had to follow. And I went in, and as you do, um, the place there was a fruit basket and then there were sweets. And as tempted as I was by the fruit, I ended up going to the sweets. <laughs> and the guy, and I remember going up to the guy saying, look, there's a fella diesel there. And he just turned around and he says, where are you from? I said, look, I'm from Derry and I'm down to do the rally. And he says, listen, he says, the sweets are on me. And I said, if I'd have known that, I'd have taken the multi-pack and I'd have taken the king. Like, why didn't you give me a warning before I grabbed the sweets that I had? But but just we things, like, they just buy into it. Yeah. Just like Letter Kenny you know, ninety mm-hmm. odd percent of Letter Kenny will do as well because they realise how needed it is for the economy down there, mm-hmm. how much it is, how much it brings in. Like it, I'm sure there's film stations and bars and restaurants down in Clonakilty that make an absolute killing on the weekend of the rally, and mm-hmm. more power to them. I hope they do and make plenty of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we'll go back to Donegal here again. 2006 didn't go very well for you. It was retirement early on the Friday, but back again, yeah. 2007 then. All started to kick again. Another top result that you were 
class 13 and top six overall, wasn't it? I think at the finish of fifth overall, fifth overall, I and I remember that weekend. We both, I hope dad doesn't listen to this podcast because we, Ron and I decided to build a second rally car without saying too much, but um, listen, we. We built the car and the car went to scrutiny and it was just again finished on the Friday. Like we give Biden some crazy projects. You know, the first of June, Biden, you have a car ready for us in three weeks' time if we want to do the rally in another car. And he built the car for us and we went to the rally. And I remember on the first, on the Friday, on the first day, we just settled in. It was grand, but I didn't think there was great power in the engine, but it was going to come. And then the next thing, the second stage, the pedal went to the floor. No brakes at all. I had a coast to the end of the stage. And, and the third stage drove through it just 40 miles an hour. Probably, I, I know there'd be boys like Paddy McDade who turned around saying, that's your normal <laughs> speed, Connor. But, so we lost about five minutes. And I remember saying to Nigel, ah, that's it. That party's over. And Nigel said to me, he says, Connor, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I said, what are you talking? It doesn't kill you. Sitting nearly reciting music lines. He says, no, 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 I'm telling you. He says, we'll be all right. Just, just deal with it. And I said, no, Nigel, do you know what I'm doing? I'm going to go rallying with my friends. It's just tomorrow morning, we're taking a time penalty. We're last or second last in the national. I'm taking a time penalty and I'm going to run back up the field with the Seamus Higgerties and the Liam Doherty's and the Manus Kelly or whoever else was there. I was going to enjoy myself, all the boys. And they just says, please don't do it. Just listen to me. And I did. And once again, he proved right. Because when we started rallying then on the Saturday, for whatever reason, I just started to click. And the, the car just started to punch in good time after good time. And and the next thing you knew, we were climbing up the leaderboard and climbing. And aided, of course, by people retiring and people crashing and whatnot. And I always remember, <laughs> oh, I could tell you a story, but it's, it's not for this podcast. But um, anyway, uh, on the Sunday, on the Sunday, Kevin, I always remember Damien Geller and Phil Collins were having a ding-dong battle for the lead for the overall uh, national. And I remember on Sunday, and I could be corrected if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure on the six stages on Sunday that even the two boys that were going for the overall, we were quicker than them over the six stages. I remember Damien having a problem because I think he was maybe, he was trying to manage his lead as opposed to go at rally speed. And I think he was, he was, he was sort of saying, you know, like he wasn't just to driving at that speed. He wanted to go flat out. But, um, and I remember coming down the Sunday and going, that's the greatest bit of driving I've ever produced. Mm-hmm. It was so committed. It was inch perfect. And the car was just, oh, it was just on rails. Mm-hmm. And Declan McNaughton crashed on Port Lake, which was the second last stage of the rally, to hand us fifth overall and first in the class. Uh-huh. And Ronan finished with a blown manifold that day. And he finished second in the class right. and sixth overall. Uh-huh. And... And Daddy wasn't well at the time, Kevin. And I remember at the finish ramp, he needed to go into hospital the next week. And there he was. And I had come back to fifth overall, rolling sixth overall, first and second in the class. That's the first time I've ever seen him emotional. Right. You know, for something other than something to get emotional about. Yes. I remember going, geez, like this, this is, this is some weekend. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know it's like, you don't turn around and go, the greatest weekend I ever had if I finished fifth overall. But, Trust me, being my issues, that was that was so. I just had a ball that weekend. Had yeah. a ball. And like two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, I regard it as you know one of the best Donegal's them years. You know, like you had two thousand and seven, yeah. you had Loeb, two thousand and six, McRae. You know, like so. 
you know, them oh. were the, the glory years as such, you know. Oh, so. and, and, and I remember, I remember, you know, on the start line and low, just maybe 20 cars up. I remember thinking, this is probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest rally drivers of all time. Mm -hmm. And I'm 20 cars behind him on a stage in Donegal and the sun's beating down and he's just romping away with it now after changing the suspension or whatever they done on the Saturday. Mm -hmm. And you just think, and the buzz that weekend and the crowds that were there were incredible, absolutely mm -hmm. incredible. Yes. Oh, it, was, it was a great weekend. And McRae in the Metro, it was probably one of the blessings of the skies that I had on the Friday that we retired, that I got to see Colin McRae in a Metro six hour field. Mm -hmm. It's going to be one of them memories. It's going to be not easy For sure. forgotten, isn't it? For sure. For <laughs> sure. Yes. For so, long. Uh, so then, like, also in 2007, your good friend, Chris Meek, you lent him an escort for Lurgan Park and then the Killarney, Killarney Historics. Um, right. You know, Chris and you go back a long time. Was, how did that friendship start out? Um, Believe it or not, Dad used to call up to Sydney when he would have been passing in Gannon. Like, if anybody ever has the pleasure of meeting Sydney Meek, you're just in the presence of one of the nicest, most decent people you'll ever have the pleasure of knowing. And he's just, you know, there could be planes crashing around him and Sydney will just, yeah, 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 that'll do, you know, so we'll get it sorted. And I remember Dad taking me up to meet the great Sydney Meek and, and heard so much about him. And Dad had this great time for Sydney's two boys. He, Dad used to go up and, you know, just chat to them and whine, you know, just, it, it just, I remember the great memories calling up and, and the boys just, you know, oh, there's Cahill and Dad would have slipped them, I don't know, a pound for sweets or whatever it was uh -huh. back then, but there was just, there was a nice relationship, but, but it didn't really gel then. What happened was in 19, I think in 1996, we went to watch the Isle of Man rally. And we were in a car ready to board the ferry and Barry, Mick, Chris's brother, approached our car and Paul Flanagan was driving it. And he says to Paul, uh, excuse me, you couldn't do me a favour. We're looking to drive Bertie's recce car and chase car up on the boat. But we have two other cars to drive up. He says, would any of you jump in and drive them up on the boat? And I just happened to shoot. I said, oh, young Mick, no problem. And he says, oh, how are you doing? Didn't recognise me. And, and I said, look, I'll drive one of them on for you. So we got up on the boat. And of course, then, oh, you're cowed, so now And we got chatting on the boat, and the ferry crossing was about four hours. And I knew getting off that ferry that I'd be friends with them two boys for a long, long time. Uh -huh. They're just two of the nicest young fellas you could ever possibly meet them. And that was the start. Chris was on a, a, a wee red Corsa with a Stymax kit. It was actually Barry's Corsa, but Chris, I think, was 16 at the time. And, and he just plagued Barry on the island I'll drive, I'll drive, I'll drive. Probably with no license. I'm pretty sure with no license. I'm, I'm near convinced. Or if he did, he only had it and he, or he was lying. But we went and watched the rally together. We were staying in different parts, but we just we forged a good relationship and and one I absolutely cherish to this day. Uh -huh. And like obviously, you know, the, obviously the, the trust you had in him to lend him your car and all, and the, at the way he was able to repay you, like, you know, to take that car and do so well with it and all too. And then in later years, you uh, know, so... But, but, but Kevin, do you see if, if you ever got to know Chris Meek, the person, mm -hmm. you, you, you'd give him the shirt of your back. Right. You know, it just, it, like, I, I don't know, you know, it's a bit of, it just sometimes you just click. And I, I knew that Chris was a decent human being, a decent person, but Christ, that I did not know he could drive. 
Not a clue that I have. And that wasn't, you know, it didn't even form part of our talking. Like, I remember when, 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 when I lent him the car, he had already had a bit of rallying experience and, and had gone to, you know, fairly good heights before mm-hmm. I lent him a car. I remember going over to Silverstone to, it was called Find a Rally Star. And what they'd done was they'd done like a competition. Peugeot launched a competition. Anybody could have joined. They just paid your £500 or whatever it was and you entered the competition and there'd be one winner at the end of it. And I remember going over and Chris Ryan says, listen, we're going over to Silverstone. It's Find a Rally Star. Do you fancy going over for the night? He said, we're going we're gonna to drive down from, from Stranraer down to Silverstone on the Sunday evening. The thing's on the Monday. We're coming back up on the Monday night for the ferry home on Monday night. And I said, ah, I'll go, I'll go, surely to goodness. No permission from Dad, but anyway, I got going. And I remember I could tell you stories about that journey, Kevin Glendinning, that would just, you, you, you couldn't believe some of the stuff that went on. And, and it's not my place to say because I hope he has a book. And I sincerely hope he puts those in a book because if he doesn't, I will. They're worth millions. But, but then, like, the, we were in a Citroen Zante to go on the, the boat. And it was full of that much diesel that had anything crashed into the back of us. We'd have let, it, we'd have let the boat up. It, it, would have sank, it would have sank three boats, what we had in the boot of the Zantia. But whenever we went to go on the ferry, the clutch gave up on the Zantia. So we had to bounce the Zantia up onto the ferry, and then he had a very good friend uh, over in Stranraer who ended up, we took his car from Stranraer down to Silverstone, and it was an Audi A3 petrol. And between the three of us, we actually ran out of money fueling on the way down and the way home. We started to use credit cards. We started to phone home to get credit top-ups, anything at all. We, we were burning that much fuel going up and down. We, all, we thought we had the fuel covered in the Zantia. But with it being diesel, it was no use to the petrol car. But we went down to the rally school, and they just, when I tell you that he was better than some of the instructors that day, there was a guy in a catering, and he was going, you know, guys, guys, you know, so important that you listen to me, you know. They, you know, obviously today you're going to learn a lot, you know, and don't expect to be like me, Kevin Glendening. When he was finished in the kitchen, um, the boy had a look on him like, "Has is this boy a plant? Has this boy been planted on me?" Chris destroyed him in the kitchen, and I remember there was an English guy standing beside us whose son had entered the competition, and they may as well have just taken his money, gave him a cake and a bag of sweets, and sent him home. <laughs> not drive a nail into a bit of wood and I'd been standing there and Chris was doing all the donuts and reversing them out of the guys and whatnot and I just turned around to Barry Meek and I said God he's some pilot isn't he but the English guy came back and he goes oh he flies planes too does he <laughs> so, no no in Ireland high pilots a rally driver nothing to do with flying at all but uh, he blew them away that day. It, it, the competition won that day, but it still had to go back and you yeah. know the next round, the next round, and then he won it. And, uh-huh. and but but whenever I lent him the car, he had already proved his worth. Kevin, yeah. my, my car was it wasn't a favourite because I, I would think that was a bit condescending, but it was something I badly wanted, and I think he wanted at the time. And him and Paul Nagel approached me, and like I mean, you do anything for the two boys, the two smashing men and mm-hmm. they just look Paul said Connor we'd maybe put a wee bit together and go and do Killarney what are you thinking and I said work away work away I'd love to see it and I, Kevin I'll be honest with you I was breaking yes. I was thinking there's our new car away down to Killarney and it is going to be drove at 12 tenths <laughs> like it'll be looking at the driver going who well, what happened to that boy was chauffeuring me about the place he was nice he was nice to me what happened here and believe it or not 
the things that happened that weekend resulted in, you know, what we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Uh-huh. Um, Chris, Chris only drives one way, and that's flatter. It just, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's all duck or no dinner. And a Robbie Thornton was down, and Robbie Thornton phoned me on the Sunday afternoon and said, Connor, we're having a bit of an issue here. Is it okay to go on? And I said, what's the issue, Robbie? And he says, uh, we're going through a lot of throttle sensors. Like he says, we're literally going through every throttle sensor we can find. And I said, jeepers, Robbie, don't get that. Put him out of the road. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So I put the But I got the bill the following week for the throttle sensors. And I phoned Robbie. I said, Robbie, is, were any of them faulty? What is wrong? He says, no, Connor. He said, Chris Meek has a driving style that your car and your throttle sensors aren't capable for. And he says, he opens the throttle at the start line. And it pretty much stays open the whole stage. He said he is rings its neck. And I said, well, to have to pay for all the sensors. So we came to a deal. And uh, funny enough, I phoned Chris. And I said, let me assure you this. That is the dearest rally that I've never done. I will never do a dear rally in my life if I do drive. And he laughed. And he says, oh, don't worry, don't worry. I'll make it up to you. I'll make it up to you. And they would have won the rally pretty easily that weekend, Tony. And it was a new car, but just had a couple of teething problems. And, and, and obviously, Chris driving it at, at, at full tilt, it, it probably just mm-hmm. uh, maybe some better parts, but I just didn't have the money to put them on at the time. But, yeah. um, but that led to you know, the, other, the, the other gift that we got there uh-huh. years later. But, yes. but seeing Chris develop as a driver, I, it was nothing to do with me or me giving him a car. No. He put himself everywhere he needed to be. And one thing got him to where he got, and that was talent. Yes, I think that you know that's above everything else. Like it's the one driver in the last number of years that has got there through just sheer talent alone, isn't it? You know, there wasn't well, there wasn't millions backing them up. No, 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 definitely not, definitely not. And you know this, he he stands by the courage of his own convictions. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes no apologies for trying to win a rally. He makes no apologies for driving a car to the best of his ability. And listen, there's people have argued with me, and I maybe just have blinded by, you know, being friends with him and 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 just thinking that he can do no wrong. But listen, I understand he's made mistakes, and mm-hmm. as have we all. But I mean, I watched him for his first ever run in the Galloway Hills in a Peugeot, right, and. I, 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 we probably there was a bit of a series of crests, and then there was a big crest into a square right. But you had to go through a gate to the square right. And I remember Chris coming up to it and us listening and going, "This boy realised there's a square right after this this jump." And when I tell you that it was one of the greatest things I seen in the rally car, and I remember going, "I was ringing him the day before, going now, Chris." I've done a few rallies now. You just get to the end. Now, don't do anything silly. And then I watched him going, that boy there is just listening to me talk and thought to himself, did he ever shut up and just left me alone? And he blew me away that day. And, you know, he, he didn't get anywhere by chance. He got yeah. everywhere by pure talent. What he done with was his own business. Mm-hmm. You know, some people were very quick to criticize and, and sort of put the bit into him sometimes and say, mm-hmm. oh, you know, he's done this or he's done that. But hey, those were consequences that were going to affect him, no. not the people who were writing comments about yes. it. Uh-huh. You know, as fans, we all wanted him to do well, and friends, we all wanted him to do well. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. you tell me a five-time World Rally champion or yes. World Rally victory, uh, mm-hmm. one or yeah, you, you tell me that's easy done. I can no. tell you now. And, you know, I, and to go and to go to Finland and beat them all on their own doorstep, like you know, 
and oh, set the fastest average ever. time over uh, yeah. ever. You know, and 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 you know this, you know, a lot of things weren't to play that weekend. But I remember when when he signed, he was funny enough. I, I remember speaking to him when he when he had signed with Citroen, and. Uh, we had a conversation in his house in Dungannon and he was up on himself. I just happened to be passing the door, wrapped the door and he was in and he was talking to his wife, Danielle, and he said, look, Danielle, uh, two minutes, somebody's just after we're walking in here and we got chatting and he told me things that I will never repeat. It's, it's nobody's business when he expresses. Mm-hmm. But I remember going, mm, uh, mm, and he signed with Citroen and it was a, you know, it was a good deal, but then they allowed him to go out and do those rallies you know, obviously in the world car, and that's where he started to, to punch in his, his victories, etc. Mm-hmm. But I remember one incident where he finished third overall in Monte Carlo. And I was sitting in the house watching it live in Eurosport, and Kevin, it was just like Christmas. I just thought the, I just thought this was great. My friend had, had gone and stuck it into third overall in Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. And my phone rings, and it's this big foreign number. And I remember thinking, you know, ah, fucking hang up. I want to, I want to watch Chris on the, on the going heading down to the finish ramp. It was live in Eurosport. Mm-hmm. The next thing, the phone rings again. It was a plus one three three number. Mm-hmm. So I answered it, and it was Chris and Paul Nagel ringing me from the Citroen World Rally Car, driving from the end of the last stage down into service, and. It was just a brief phone call, but I was yelping, I was yahooing, mm-hmm. I was telling him how proud I was. I yeah. couldn't believe that he had wrecked my car in Killarney, but he'd managed to go to Monte Carlo and not put a mark on this <laughs> car, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in the most treacherous of conditions. Yes. Yet, well, I faced a, a repair bill. And what <laughs> I was told later, Seamus Heron was telling me that the whole phone call was being played back in Citroen service live. <laughs> And we didn't know this. And the F's and blinds of me and your dirty wee scaling you and this and that. And there was Seamus tearing the service park going, oh, boys, please hang up. Please <laughs> hang up. But the French hadn't a clue what we were saying because we were speaking that quick anyway. Yes. But, um, and then in, in, in later years, uh, we went to watch Catalonia a couple of times. And Chris obviously won it um, in 2017. And what I didn't know was they sent me a message at the end of the rally. And it was a photograph of the bit of road that he had just crossed the finish line to win the rally. And he says, Connor, this time 10 years ago, I think it was 10 years ago or eight years ago, we were standing at this very spot watching the Carlos Sainz's, the Diddy Orioles at this very spot. Mm-hmm. And he said, little did we think that so many years later I'd be standing the victor in the Sitting World Rally car and I was just going, oh. Um, how does this? Uh, how do you top this? You know, the man was living out my dreams. Yes. I knew I was never going to get anywhere in rallying, uh-huh. but like I was living out my fantasies for him driving, thinking, "Oh, that's that's one of my friends doing that." Uh-huh. Like it was just, oh, it was just icing on the cake. It really yes. was. Uh-huh. So we'll we'll skip forward into 2015, and Chris repays all your, you know, the faith you've shown him over the years. Uh, Finland repays. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, I'll tell you if you had been. Oh, there, I'm not even going to say it, but it was. I'll tell you what it actually happened in 2014, my 40th birthday. Mm-hmm. And in, in rallying, you deal with just great people, no matter even your competitors are great people. And Adrian Hetherington, who is just one of life's gentlemen, Adrian, uh, I, I didn't have a car at the time, it was my 40th birthday. And I just phoned Adrian one day out of and I said, Adrian, would you consider hiring me your forest car to do Donegal? And if you know Adrian, you know, Adrian thinks the world of his rally cars. He, like, he works hard. 
He's put himself in a position where he can afford to rally, and I don't think he wants to fund anybody else's rallying. But I phoned Gary Nolan, and Gary says, Adrian Connor won't put a mark on your car. He'll treat it like a baby. He's all right. And Adrian says, right, Connor. He says, I will do that deal with you. So I hired the car. But I remember sitting in the in in, in, in the driver's briefing in, in Letterkenny, and uh, I got this text message, happy 40th, bud. Um, have a wee surprise for you. And it was Chris. And we were in the driver's briefing. And the next thing then, I got called up on the stage. And I got handed a lovely bit of crystal from the Donegal Motor Club uh, to celebrate my 40th birthday. It was a lovely, Jesus, it was uncalled for, mm-hmm. but something I truly cherish. And I got given the number 40 that weekend in the rally. <laughs> my highest ever seen. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I got the text, and I assumed that the text was, there's your bit of crystal, congratulations. I thought it was lovely. Uh-huh. So I think I was speaking to him maybe on the Friday or the Saturday evening, and you know how you getting on? He says, "No, have you have you taken the brakes off that thing yet?" And I said, "Oh, hey, look, I'm doing." And he said, "Listen, um, and we'd always talked about God, Chris. If I ever got the opportunity, I'd love to just see you in action, sit with you in a wheelchair." And he says, "Listen, I've negotiated a wee test, and I'm allowed to bring somebody along." And I said, "Look, you've and and for what we've been through, for most personal things and and whatever else." He said, look, Connor, if you'd be interested, he says, I can offer you either Sweden or Finland next year as a test. And he was trying to push me towards Sweden mm-hmm. because he says driving in the snow is just some of the most scariest things for a rally go driver. And I said, no, 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 I want to go to Finland. I want to go to Finland. He says, are you sure now? Because I'm telling you, Sweden would be better. And I said, no, I want to go to Finland. And he says, right, okay. So he very kindly, Kevin, at the time when, when probably in the mid, I don't know, 2000 and whatever, we were probably, you know, business wasn't great and it wasn't something that was just going to fly off for the weekend to Finland. I didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. And he paid for flights, accommodation, everything and flew me out. And Kevin Glendennan, I am never short of words, but I can tell you now, no words would ever do that justice. One, what he done for me. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't put it into words but to the experience, yeah. it is just oh, really and truly, I don't know how to describe it. It is the most enthralling, exhilarating, scary, mind-blowing things that I've ever, ever, ever had the pleasure of witnessing. And I'll tell you what I've done. I witnessed a genius at work. And, mm-hmm. and you know, anybody that sat with maybe Loeb or McRae and had a run, We'll be able to say the same thing, but this was my friend who was just—I was just looking over them. I was just going to say, "Christ of Almighty, yeah. like, is this the level?" And I remember um, the stage was seven kilometers over and seven kilometers back, so it was fourteen kilometers in total. And it was a real professional test. And I remember, uh, you know, sort of hanging about, you know, when Chris had sort of spoke to. To the engineers, and he says, "Look, I spoke to Eve Maton, and Eve said it's okay for me to bring a friend today." And I know for a fact the boy had not been briefed. I, <laughs> I know by the look on his face that he turned around and he thought, well, who, "Who's organised this?" Because I didn't clear it, and mm-hmm. I thought, "Oh no, this is gonna, this is definitely gonna, gonna bite me." But I remember uh, getting the boy says, "Oh, that's okay, no problem." And the engineers came over to me, Kevin. So uh, Paul Nagel had done sort of 
six or eight or ten runs in total, and it was very professional. Like they were timing it, um, they were letting the air out of tyres and testing with a bit less pressure, and, and everything was so professional. So all of a sudden, you know, the engineer says, "Oh, Mr. Curley, you're, you're next." And I said, "All oh, right, okay." So I got my suit on, and I remember the engineer, the chief engineer, coming over to me, and going, "Okay, Mr. Curley, uh, what weight are you?" <laughs> so I explained my weight in stones, as you do in Ireland. Yes. And he goes, uh, no, 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 kilos, kilos, how many kilos? So we get the phone out and we converted my weight into kilos. And I just remember the engineer just rolling his eyes and, and, and saying to the mechanic, he just done the hand signals and say, don't even bother adjusting the suspension. <laughs> just, they were going to adjust the suspension to compensate for my weight. But when they realized what weight I was, they just thought, no. Nah. And then I had to try and get into Paul Nagel's seat. Jesus, yes. <laughs> and Paul Nagel's entire frame would take up one of my either my left leg or my right leg, certainly not both. And I remember him, Paul Nagel, videoing me and saying I was poured into a Citroen racing seat. If I had a dislocated hip, I was going into that seat. Yes. And I was in agony because the crotch strap wasn't able. It was it was coming up far enough, but because I wasn't down far enough in the seat. Oh yes, it uh-huh. was. It was squeezing in between my two legs, and uh-huh. it was agony. And I was smiling, going, yeah, everything's great. Yeah, no, fine. No, everything's fine. <laughs> and, and out we went to the stage. And I remember on my phone, I just videoed a wee bit of it just as we were going out to the stage. And Chris just came to the start line. And I turned the phone around to him and I turned it back to me and then I stopped recording. But it wasn't until I watched it back a couple of days later then or when I was going back that the next day, Chris's face changed from... You know, right, you know, it's a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. And he came up to the start line, he just had this look of a man who was just the rally driver took over. He, he was he, the rally driver took over. And I remember him telling me the first three and a half kilometers of the stage is very tight and twisty and narrow. And then he says, We get out into the real flat stuff, the real fast stuff. And I remember the first three and a half K, Kevin. I absolutely bricked it. I was thinking, This is, uh, you know, it's just kind of scare me. I just, but. As I got in, it was only three and a half K, but as I got in the first kilometer and then the second, I started to relax. And I remember coming up to the hairpin, and I remember coming up to the hairpin, Chris had said, this is the flat out section. I thought, thank God I've got away from all them trees and now we're into the big open roads that are just, just motorway stuff. Mm-hmm. Kevin, the road was about a foot and a half wider than the one we had just come off. Where he had told me this was flat out, I had no idea. <laughs> but this was a stage they had used the previous year. And Chris was talking to me, going, yeah, that's where Neuville, we're just coming up to the bit where Neuville tried to take it flat out and went off. And, and he went, but well, Kevin, if you just witnessed what them boys are capable of doing, it's where they put the car, it's how they attack a corner. But they drive, there's a corner you maybe say, God, you know, we were maybe not quick enough in that corner. But when you realise that they're putting the car in a position for maybe the next series of corners, it's just, you know, it's, it's not luck. It's no. absolutely not luck. And the first run that I got, the engineer says to me, uh, possibly top 10 stage time run there. And I said, what do you mean? He said, no, he says, wasn't a flat out run. He says, just a bit of top stage, 10 stage time. So I got a couple of runs that day. And on the final run, Chris said, look, Connor, we're, you know, we're going to have a bit of fun in this one. And I said, oh, I no bother. And on the last run, he absolutely nailed it to the point that I knew that we were really on the ragged age. And Kevin, the places where that car was going to, you just thought, this is not going to end well. 
and when we came back, the engineer just came over the computer, plugged it in, and looked at me and just gave me that wee uh-huh. perfect, yeah, perfect run. And I and I, I have no words, and I will be forever grateful. And in fact, up in my room, I've got the USB stick of the run that I had. Uh-huh. And I guard that with my life. That yes. is my most cherished, cherished memory mm-hmm. from somebody that, oh, we covered him in chocolate, I couldn't like him anymore. <laughs> That's from the, this is from the young guy that just helped him put a car onto the, the ferry all them years ago in Isle of Man, you know, we're going to them. And, and, and Kevin, to think that yeah. I was now sitting with a proper WRC yeah. driver uh-huh. who was lauded, who was signed for Citroen as uh-huh. the person who was going to deliver the the world championship and Kevin, he should have been world champion. Yeah. No mm-hmm. doubt in my mind. Don't mm-hmm. care who of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Chris Meek was a world champion. Mm-hmm. Just for whatever reason and, and I think differently from a lot of other people, but I also see the rationale in their thinking. Yeah. But don't tell me that he won the five victories that, that certainly mm-hmm. the car that they gave him then that Sebastian mm-hmm. Loeb or Sebastian Ogier couldn't make a rally car out of it. Mm-hmm. That they blame Chris. Yes. Uh, yeah. In here, you know, the, you know, and you, you know, from this island to have a driver of that standing, you know, and the the, the championship a poor place without him, because you know, no doubt. you, you and, don't and have the same enthusiasm even watching it now as what you had them. And, and it's such there. a pity now because you look at Craig Breen. I mm-hmm. watched him in Finland a couple of years ago, and I mean, it, it, no doubt in my mind, if he had got the luck that he deserved that weekend, he'd have won Finland. Yeah, he was. Uh, so quick and so consistent and you know we produce drivers from this island consistently as good as anybody in this mm-hmm. in, in the world i don't care you can talk about you know all the famous drivers we can produce it we just mm-hmm. don't back them no we just don't back them financially you know craig breen should be taken by motorsport Ireland and go craig the next two years the yeah. next two years you're full-time should we have to pick up a tab or isn't you know whatever it is we're going to put money back into motorsport and and we're going to make this happen project project mm-hmm. the stars that we have mm-hmm. no we, you know what we do we accept you know fuck, you know it's just it's a tough thing to get there and they'll probably not make it mm-hmm. you watch craig breen's on board you watch craig breen take patrick crook and a mark yeah. escort down uh-huh. Wexford with no notes uh, commentating through the stage yeah, any uh-huh. other driver Mm-hmm. You know, apart from somebody at the very highest level, could yes. do. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we not? Why are we not? You know, busting our asses to make sure that Callum Devine's the next one. Mm-hmm. Or, or why did we let uh, um, Daniel uh, McKenna even step to Daniel Daniel McKenna, who went to Finland and put it up the boys. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a front wheel drive car, and then just yeah. unfortunately ran out of money. Yeah. Keith Monte Cronin. Carlo as well too. Look at uh, Daniel Monte Carlo. Yeah. Keith Cronin. Uh, Keith Cronin. We should have had him backed. Uh-huh. We fail. We yeah. absolutely fail, and I don't blame anybody for it. No. But you know, Chris Meek got to where he got to by being driven. Mm-hmm. Craig Breen got to where he got to by being driven. We don't drive ourselves to put these people where they are, and mm-hmm. I don't just mean rallying. Mm-hmm. I mean, pick a young fella in a single seater in a go kart and produce, you know, because I mean, if France can do it, Switzerland can do it, these other yeah. places can do it, Finland Ireland can do it. Can yes. do it. Mm-hmm. Ireland can do it. We have the talent. We actually have the people capable of doing it. We've put co drivers into the very, very highest level of rallying mm-hmm. and they've have, they have, they have been looked up to by other nations. Yes. That's why, you know, some of the, some of the, the Saudis and whatnot. Mm-hmm. want to our co-drivers out there because they're the yeah. best 
Yeah, the Killian Duffys, the Rory Kennedys, then before them, the Kerry Highmans and uh, Fred Gallagher, you know, and Bobby Wallace, Fred Gallagher. Uh, you know, people who, yeah. who just wouldn't have been able to play. Why, why are we not? Why, why is there not something there to back them? And listen, mm-hmm. I know the Billy Coleman Award and things like that are brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant, and there are people that are putting their hands in their pockets. But guess what? There's time now where, where we should all be turning around saying, what does it take to make this the place and where people want to come to the sea talent? Mm-hmm. Because if you can beat Craig Breen in anything, yes, he can drive anything. Metro, mm-hmm. same as Chris Meek. Chris Meek gets into a rally, a, a Mark Escort BDA in the force. And I'll tell you, Vatnan and his heyday would have had bother with him. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't matter what them boys, naturally gifted drivers. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely believe if we don't stick the boot into them because they didn't win or they crash, then we stick the boot into them by not saying, Craig Green, high end, they should be told. Ireland will, will make sure Craig Green's in a world rally car for the next two years. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's as good as any of the ones that are there at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, we're quite quick here to, you know, pull people down, slag them off or whatever, but, you know, we're not as quick to build them up, are we? You know, so that's... No, just... and, and, and then there's the personal, you know, you know, boys that have maybe, you know, thought something about a boy and uh, they get the hump up, you know. Yes, we all have that. Yes. Like, I, like, you put a pair of glasses on me and they'll probably put Chris Meek logo somewhere on them. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I honest to God, think the world of Craig Green, and I think he's been, I think he's been sold a wee bit short that he deserves a full tilt crack mm-hmm. for a full season because he's rallying under pressure. He's given, given the, the, the drive now in Finland. Yeah. So now in Finland, he has to produce this amazing result to be hopefully be kept on. To be justified the next drive. Saying, yeah. You know what, Craig, Go and relax, because yes. I'll tell you, Craig Breen can win Finland. Yes, if he, I, well, under Finland, no, no illusions. Yes, Craig Breen can win Finland. Because the year that not if somebody crashes, Craig no. Breen has the beating of every one of them people now in Finland mm-hmm. if he gets the run. Yeah, the year that Chris won it, sure Craig was third that year. You know, again, correct. You know, correct. absolutely outstanding and, and Chris, <laughs> What Chris done that year in Finland, I don't mm-hmm. think we'll ever see the like of no. for a long time again. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that is really the stuff of legends. Mm-hmm. And, and to beat a local in yeah. Onanpoya, to absolutely destroy him. I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, was it 19 seconds? or Something like that, something yes. Ridiculous yes. like that in Onanpoya. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, like, Latvala was there to say, right, you know, I'm going to stop my authority, I'm going to get back into this. And Chris just destroyed him, as mm-hmm. he did in a set of slicks in the circuit of Ireland and the Subaru yeah. a couple of years previous when it lashed out of the heavens. Mm-hmm. And Chris just, I think he took like 40 or 50 seconds um, out of Eugene Donnelly on a stage. And just, that was, surely then you would turn around and say, well, what does it take? I mean, you had the likes of Seamus Hearn of Corella, mm-hmm. Jerry McVeigh, who put their hands in their pockets and helped mm-hmm. Chris get to a sort of higher level. But yeah. Motorsport Ireland, MSA, it doesn't matter if somebody mm-hmm. says, oh, they're MSA, I don't care where they are, back uh, them. Yep. They're from these shores, it doesn't matter yes. where they're... Uh, north, back. south, east, west, whatever. Yeah, yep. Craig, yep. Uh, uh, young, young, um, uh, 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 sorry, Craig Green has forged the way for a lot of boys now. Mm-hmm. Callum Devine, somebody should be going along now going, yep. Callum, there's the money. Yes. There's the money, let's go make it work. Aye. And, Just and if you give it your best shot, uh-huh. that's it. Because it's the pressure. Who, who's backing him, Callum Devine? Yeah. Probably himself. And his father. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and are they ever going to, you know, put enough money in to go and, and back him in the World Championship? Do you yeah. ever stop? No. Put uh-huh. their lights out. Yes. But guess what? We're Motorsport Ireland. 
and mm -hmm. we should be doing so. And I'll tell you, um, you know, if you look at Killian Duffy, and I've said this, I don't know, many times, that man has some brilliant ideas, and he puts his money where his mouth is, mm -hmm. and he has good, solid arguments, open for criticism, so people yes. can come and talk back and say, no, Killian, we don't agree that. But guess what? He asked the question. Yes, the other people. And I'm not... I don't want to turn around and say the people who are running it now, oh, it's fantasy, Connor, just, oh yeah, just produce two million pounds, let's go for it. Mm. We can get, that, that money can be got. Yeah, it's out there for all our sports. Tell me it can be got. Uh, it can be got. Mm -hmm. And then people are going, oh, so should the club man pay for, in my opinion, the club man should pay for going rallying, but there should be some pot there out of something mm -hmm. that should pay for our elite to get yeah. to where they are. So then that puts Ireland on the map. And then you never know, we might get a team from Ireland and you might get a team based here. You might get a team set up here. You might get more world mm -hmm. rallies coming to Ireland. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, like like the, Bobby, you, know, you can't just rely on Bobby Willis now no. to come and, mm -hmm. and, and, and go to every Tom, Dick and Harry and beg for the rally. Yes. There should be a hundred people back on Bobby Willis. Uh -huh. the, you know, the, your football, your books and your whatever. The money, you know, the money's there somewhere. You know, it's, it needs the people to go out and find that money from businesses or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know. Now, I know, I know, like, uh, you know, it's willy nilly. Oh, let's just get the money and fund the body of the World Championship. Maybe in the grand scheme of things, especially at the moment, it's not that important. Uh -huh. But I would love people to put those functions in place that maybe in five or six years time when the young boy stand on the ditch today who has the talent to go to the very top that somebody may be able to say you have the talent mm -hmm. you know like i watched that young boy in the nova and in, in the forestry oh micro yes uh -huh. yeah christ of almighty like mm -hmm. I, that boy would just yeah. surely he deserves a wee chat now maybe it mightn't work but I would love to see people with raw talent say, right, come on, let's see if we can do it. Yeah. There always will be the elite and there always will be the people. Obviously, if you want to go rallying, you have to be able to afford to rally yourself first and then get mm -hmm. noticed. But don't tell me that, you know, some of the best drivers I ever encountered never drove a rally car. No. Uh, mm -hmm. Or uh, never got beyond one in their class Ni or whatever. Niall McGonigal had a brother, Ryan, mm -hmm. who to this day is probably one of the greatest uh, drivers of a car I ever witnessed, right? Um, and 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 he never rallied, right? And unfortunately, he was, he was taken quite a few years ago. But don't tell me that that man there couldn't have been. He could have been. We just nobody nurtured his talent. Maybe seeing that, right? Let's get you into a rally car. Yeah. You know, I just think there's a lot of. We're very quick to run ourselves down. Mm -hmm. I really believe. You know, it's like you know, in sports sometimes you just think, oh, sure, you know. We're Ireland, sure, for a bit of fun, a bit of laughs, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you know, have a bit of no, we have talent here. Take we can be, seriously. we can take on the best, yeah. Take we have, seriously. Uh, Chris Meek, five time winner, mm -hmm. Craig Breen will win a world championship rally. Uh -huh. If Sinder, somebody uh, just yeah. gives him a couple of rallies and lets him rally with a wee bit of peace, because while he's rallying with needs to produce for the team, needs mm -hmm. to produce for the team. Yeah. You know, Oitanic isn't told, right, you know, we need you to, Oitanic's just told, there's a couple of year deal, boom, now you go and enjoy yourself. I, I, you're not under that pressure, if you don't perform well in Finland, no. you might not be out no, again, or whatever, it. you know, so. That's mm -hmm. it, that's yeah. it, that's it. The, the, the joy zone. Connor, um, recently, we've well, just changed tack now completely, was it uh, 2018, uh, you got your ultimate Mark II Escort, Wellington, the big gearbox, the everything, all your bells and whistles, what is that car like to drive? <laughs> You'd you probably better ask on somebody that could drive it, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, I'll tell you, uh, 
I had the pleasure of, I told you, dealing with Adrian Hellington a couple of years previous, uh, mm-hmm. hiring Kigar. And Adrian would be very, very good friends with Vivian Hamill. And the two of them must have been brought up and cloned in the same factory because they are two gentlemen. Vivian Hamill planted a wee seed in me and Donegal uh, two years ago where he retired from the rally and Andrew Grennan came walking over to service. And how are you going, Connor? I said, oh, Andrew, just grand. I'm just enjoying the day, but you're whatever. And I said, how do you go? And he says, oh, sure. He says, you know what? He says, we're just now looking down weekend. He says, wouldn't it take a while off that man to sell that car? Kevin, I went out to the next three stages because it was the last three stages of the rally. All I could think about was, how am I going to buy this car? How can I chat dad round to release enough money? Because like, I don't have the money. Uh-huh. And, and, and dad probably didn't have the money either, but we always have a knack of fine. And we chatted to Vivian and... Trust me, if you ever get an opportunity to buy a house of that man, you will find it an absolute pleasure of a deal. Uh-huh. It's just, it's, the, it's, the, it's one of the most pleasurable deals I've ever had. And I knew the car was good. Uh-huh. And I knew I liked the car. And I said to Vivian, I said, Vivian, I might buy it. But, and we, we, we thrashed out a bit of a deal. And I can tell you now, you know, Vivian was just uh, the perfect gentleman. Because boys, I tried to buy the car afterwards and he was true to his word. And... For that, I'll always be eternally grateful to him. And, and he gave me the car. Jesus, Kevin, what a car. <laughs> what a car. And you go back to, you know, you saying to me about, you know, Connor, you've built some cars down through the years, you know. No, buy then builds the cars. Mm-hmm. If you want a top escort, you know, buy then builds probably the, one of the best cars that, that you could ever imagine an escort. Uh-huh. And in the world again, you know, this is not local again. This is worldwide. Absolutely. Again, you know? uh-huh. Like I mean, the man shipping cars to the Canary Islands, yeah. to uh-huh. you know, Australia, anywhere at all. Yeah. And there's other builders too. Like I'm not, uh-huh. I'm not, no, no. not you know, uh-huh. I, I think buyers raised the game. Like you know, I know you've Camillus Bradley, Ryan Lockland, uh-huh. um, you know, and other people building cars, and they're all building top cars. Uh-huh. But by then, forged the way for uh-huh. a lot of them, and. You know, I was fortunate enough for Barry to build nearly all my cars. And, you know, you said to me, oh, Connie, you've always a nice car. It's because of one rare person, one rare person, Barry McKenna. I mean, it, it's not luck that that man does what he does. It's mm-hmm. absolute. He's a genius at his work. Yeah. And Vivian went to him and built this car. And then I just knew by looking at it, it had paddle shift, four-way rigor, Millington engine. You know, and I just thought, this is, this is some package. And yes. I bought the car, Vivian, and... It took me a while to gather the money, but we got the money gathered for him. And I remember him saying to me, Connor, if I was doing anything, I'd maybe rebuild the engine. And I remember thinking, well, Connor doesn't have the money to rebuild the engine, Vivian. So what Connor's going to do is do a couple of rallies and hope it lasts. And mm-hmm. down to the Midland stages and Kevin for eight stages, we had a ball. I just remember thinking, this is a rally car. It's the best car I've ever had. But the engine gave way at the end of stage eight. Um, haven't been warned. Uh, I probably kicking myself about sent the engine over, got it rebuilt and then done Monaghan and Donegal and Kevin Glendennan. You I have a full face helmet and you cannot see into it. But I can tell you there's a smile from ear to ear when I get into that car. Uh-huh. It is just a joy to drive. And you know this, if somebody could take out of it what it has, it it would be some result, but I'm just happy to drive it at my pace and enjoy it. Yeah. So you know that just Basically, you're still enjoying your rally and every bit as much now as the first day you got behind the wheel. Do you know this, Kevin? I enjoy rallying, but I enjoy the people mm-hmm. more. I enjoy the the James McCarvels, the Paddy Boots, the Seamus Higgerty's, the 
you know, the Liam Doherty's, the Nigel Fraser's, the Vivian Hamill's, Adrian Hill, you know, yes. Guy McPhillips, I mean, Guy McPhillips asked me for a copy of my in-car from last year because he was having trouble sleeping there a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you know this, some other boys would maybe take that, like, do you yes. and go away crying? To me, the fact that, that one of the best rally drivers in Ireland is asking me for help, I'll take that all day long, <laughs> even though it is. Even though it is to help to sleep, it doesn't yeah. matter. He's asking me for help. No. It's basically driving advice. That's what he wants. But he just, he's going at the angle first of it. Yeah. But, um, but, but Kevin, it's that type of like I my first love was playing football, and I played to a decent level growing up. But I never had the the the, the people and the camaraderie from opposition that I have in rallying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guarantee if we got to a stage start line and somebody was in bother, every modified man would be out with a spanner and a toolbox trying to help them. Yes. Because we all go through the same pain to get to the rally. We all go through the same heartache. We all go through the same, you know, like, I hate to say it, but remortgage. Whatever Aye. way you've got the money to go rally and you've done it, and everybody understands what it means to get there and start uh-huh. And The stage times are important, but yes. no doubt about it. The friendships, I mean, and listen, I've had a couple of wee silly moments with people and foliage but we've we've always 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 you know mm-hmm. when you look back at it i'm very fortunate to have the friends and rallying that i have you know and unfortunately last year probably you know uh, like I, I certainly i know manis was so well known and well liked by everybody um and i, I wouldn't have known him as well as as you know the teams carlos and fruities the the damien mm-hmm. mccauley's and gareth Doherty's, but Watching them boys suffer was every bit as hard to take as mm-hmm. anything, and and I really believe that's what rallying does. Kevin, rallying gives you that real family community, you know. And yeah. listen, you have your wee groups, and and not everybody loves each other, but no. I will guarantee you, when you when when you seen what you seen last year, uh-huh. you understand you're very very lucky to call those people your friends. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, Damien Gallagher. Uh, you know, really, 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 you know, suffering in the graveyard. And I remember just thinking that day, you know, how sorry I felt for Damien because he'd lost somebody that was so close to him. And I remember thinking, I was, I felt sorry for Damien because Damien was, was hurting. And like, you just think to yourself, this is, this is what's created this, this rallying circle, mm-hmm. camaraderie community. They've created a bond that sometimes is, is a wee bit, you know, frictious for whatever reason, but yes. in other times it just brings out the good in people. And you know, I I I think it's a real privilege to to call those people friends, and I'm very fortunate to have them, and would never underestimate um, how much you know I think about them. Mm-hmm. Connor, I think that just about you couldn't you know ask for a better sentiment to leave it than that. There, no, I really no, appreciate your time Kevin. tonight, and thank you very much. Kevin. My pleasure. Good luck to everybody. Take care. Bye. Good man. That was Connor Curley and myself, Kevin Clendenning, talking rally. I really hope you did enjoy that. And I'd just like to say, if you did enjoy it, could you please share across all media plat- or social media platforms? And if you're listening to the Apple podcast, can you p- please rate the podcast? So just please like and share and subscribe. Thank you very much. In the next podcast, we have John Lyons a true legend of Irish rallying. I really think you will enjoy that one too. Okay, take care now.
speak soon. Bye-bye.